Hello, my dear friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and I'm your host. This is going to be episode 129, season two, episode 129. And um, I have an article here that was sent to me by a, a dear friend of mine, Henry Artis. A shout out to Henry. I hope uh, one day I can get him on the podcast and uh, hopefully he can actually uh, host this po- podcast with me. Um, so before we begin, um, please uh, like, subscribe and share uh, and let other people find out about this podcast. It's a great help for all of us, not just for me, but for all of you, um, because we really need to have more uh, Catholic podcasts and we need to ha- have more uh, shows like this that actually um, help people get informed about what's happening in the Catholic world around us. Um, you know, we are not just spiritual people. Um, our faith is not meant to be practiced in the shadows, in a quiet corner, uh, privately. We are uh, universal. We are a global faith. Our faith was uh, established by the Son of God himself, Jesus Christ. The Catholic Church is a global faith. We are also an incarnation people uh, because our Lord, the Word, the Eternal Word, the Eternal Logos, became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And as much as we are a spiritual people, we are also physical and we live in the real world. Uh Catholics, Protestants, Orthodox make a big mistake when we ignore the political world. When Christ commissioned the apostles, he said, go out into all the world, preach and teach everything that I have uh, taught you to observe and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the apostles went out into the world. They had to contend with the high priest Uh, The Pharisees, they had to contend with the Roman Empire, they had to contend with, uh, uh, wrestle with pagans, they had to wrestle with their own fellow Jews, and uh, St. Paul himself, when, um, you know, he dealt with the Roman Empire, and he says he appealed to Caesar, and to Caesar he went to represent the Christian faith, to represent Christ. So, please do not tell yourself that we're not supposed to deal with the world. We're always going to deal with the world. The book of Revelation makes that quite clear. And it is our duty to Christianize everything. All right? Politics, the spiritual life, the work life, the family life, uh, the economic life. Um, we have to, um, the intellectual life in the universities. And yes, politics. Politics. We have to Christianize the political world. We also have to Christianize our neighborhoods. Uh, we are an incarnation faith. We are physical as well as spiritual. The word became flesh and the word was also power and spirit. So anyway, uh, re- please remember to subscribe and share and uh, let uh, uh, Anchor, Spotify, Google, and I'm on other uh, podcast platforms. Let them know that, um, you know, you appreciate this podcast and uh, so they can actually put it out there more. 
So let's begin with a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. And St. Thomas More. And um, St. Michael the Archangel. So let's begin. All right, so I have this article from my friend Henry Artis. Uh, it's from the stream. I never heard of the stream. Did U.S. bishops make a deal with the Democrats, like the Vatican's alliance with China? This is by John Zemeric, uh, Zemeric uh, August 18th, 2020. All right, and uh, let's begin. We Catholics were deeply scandalized when Pope Francis sent then-Cardinal McCarrick, yes, the child molester now hiding from reporters to negotiate a deal with the communist Chinese. Its terms remain partly secret. The peace of transparency uh, harkens back to the 1939 Molotov-Ribbentrop uh, Pact. I have no idea what that is. Uh, two apparent enemies uh, inked a deal against the West. The secret provisions, including the carve-up of free Poland. Okay, so that... the. Uh, that goes back, um, obviously, to um, the early 20th century. Selling out Chinese Christians. Among the public terms of the China deal, the Vatican surrendered its power uh, to pick Chinese bishops. It turned that key right over to the Atheist Communist Party, which cultivates collaborator, collaborator priests it can trust. This deal... Uh, which hero of the faith Cardinal Zen called an abandonment of the faithful underground church, gained Catholics no new protection. In fact, the Chinese government has stepped up uh, persecution of Catholics and others. It's demolishing churches, burning Bibles, and forcing churches to replace Christian images with communist Chinese icons. What did the Vatican gain? A whistleblower report reports that $2 billion went from wealthy Chinese, China, to this cash-strapped scandal-plagued papacy. On a public level, Pope Francis gained an ally against the Trump administration and the capitalist West. Okay, let's stop there for a minute. Wow. Okay, that was quite a lot, uh, what we read in the first part, right? We got into the whole thing with Theodore McCarrick, his history, the lack of transparency with uh, the Vatican under Francis, um, a little history from 1939 back to uh, Maltov-Rubin Pact. I have no knowledge of this, unfortunately. I have to learn more. Uh, the selling out of Chinese Christians. Uh, to the Communist Party and the Vatican giving up its power to choose its own bishops. Uh, the destruction of churches and holy books and icons and religious symbols being replaced with communist Chinese symbols. Um, 
and then of course we have here um, the Vatican was cash strapped and it received two billion dollars uh, from wealthy China uh, of this uh, scra- uh, uh, you know cash strapped scandal papacy on public level Pope Francis gained an ally against the Trump administration and the capitalist West so allying with China against Trump's America. After a whirlwind, carefully uh, shepherded tour of Potemkin, China, the highest church official on science and Catholic social teaching, Bishop Marcelo Sarando, spoke out. He doesn't have a very nice smile, by the way. I think he was the one that was sitting next to Jeffrey Sachs. um, When Sachs said a lot of nasty things against President Trump in America. He praised China as living out Catholic social teaching. I really hate that those words, social teaching. Far better than the U.S. under Donald Trump. Later, Sarando proclaimed Francis' trust for communist China and promised to recognize his claim over Taiwan. He announced that at a meeting of the regime's organ thieves, uh, meeting of, organ, of regime's organ thieves, who, Forbes reports, steal them from po- live political prisoners, especially Urgari Muslims. Yeah, this is true. Uh, it's really disgusting. Um, they steal the organs of these um, Asian Muslims, uh, Chinese Muslims, a particular region of China. I think they're probably more closer to Mongolian than ethnically Chinese. And they... Um, they they sell their their organs on the black market. This is one of the, one of the ways the communist Chinese make money. And Pope Francis and uh, under Sarando's, uh, he's saying that they trust each other. I don't know how. I don't know how Pope Francis can accept this, but um, you know, it's between him and God. Okay, now we go into the next next article, and a very familiar name is going to pop up. Soros money to help churches dis, uh, disrupt Trump. Remember that Francis trashed Donald Trump as not a Christian and visited the U.S. on the eve of the 2016 election. The leftist group, uh, Paco, took $65,000 um, Six, I'm sorry, $650,000 from George Soros to spin, that, uh, to spin that as a campaign tour for Democrats. When that fact got leaked, uh, leaked out, how did Francis respond? He sent Pico, uh, Pico I'm, I'm sure I'm pronouncing this wrong, a P-I-C-O, an evasive message of support for, it, for its far-left Modesto, um, Modesto meeting in 2017. At it, 24 U.S. bishops and Vatican Cardinal Peter Turkson pledged to use churches to foil immigration enforcement. They urged all Catholics to disrupt Trump. This is really, <coughs> really, really very bad. It's 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 really very bad because. The, okay, today, today I saw uh, a, a vortex, and I and I think I understand now uh, the idea that we can call ourselves traditionalist Catholics or Trinitine Catholics. Nobody can agree what traditionalist is. 
because everybody has an interpretation of what a traditionalist is. Um, we might be seeing the dawn of what we call now Orthodox Catholic. Orthodox meaning the right way, the very same term that's used by our Eastern brethren in the Eastern Church, like Orthodox Coptic, Greek, uh, Greek Orthodox, Armenian Orthodox, Romanian Orthodox. But now we're, we're probably going to see the new term of Orthodox Catholic in order to, to distinguish ourselves from what, what is the, the, uh, the Vatican II Church not that we, not that we are resisting, but, we, uh, but more like the established church or the liberal church of Catholicism. Because what's happening here is that Francis and the bishops, they're they're creating this rift, this split. If they they just sent James Martin and this nun to the DNC, the Democratic National Convention. James Martin is going to give the invocation prayer, or he just did, I don't know. And this is a uh, a pro-homosexual, LGBT celebrity priest. Okay? He doesn't hide it. And um, the nun, um, can't think of her name right now, um, she herself is pro-abortion. Now, you can't call them orthodox. All right? You can't call these people orthodox. They know what the faith teaches. They know what the church teaches, but they have created for themselves a left-leaning, a liberal church. They created a whole new church. We may we may recognize the pope. We may we we may acknowledge the sacraments, but we don't approach the sacraments in the same way. Their theology is completely different. They, re, they have invented for themselves a completely new theology. I mean, the other day, uh, Taylor Marshall was saying about Bishop Robert Barron that he's no longer the same anymore. He doesn't, when he, before he became bishop, he was, he was able to maneuver, move around more easily and speak up more easily. Now that he's bishop, he he probably doesn't you know he probably didn't realize it but now he has to be more cautious in how he speaks and who knows what's going on with him maybe he's wrestling with a lot of things maybe he's wrestling with with what what's going on what he learned from being bishop you know suddenly your your viewpoint your vantage point the way you see things what you're seeing and from the angle that you're seeing them is very different who knows but most definitely, we're probably seeing the dawn of the Orthodox Catholic and the Orthodox Catholic Church, where you know we're still going to be obviously Latin right, but we're going we're going to be approaching it from an Orthodox theology, not Orthodox as the same as Eastern Orthodox, but Orthodox from a Latin right perspective, and it's it's true. I mean, I saw I just saw a photo this today on Instagram. Fulton Sheen used to celebrate the Byzantine Mass. He used to, you know, he he was a, you know he was able to celebrate it, and and then suddenly later on when I played a vortex video, yeah, M Michael Voris is right. I think we are starting to see uh, things are becoming more defined. 
the the pandemic, the um, the Wuhan, COVID nineteen, whatever you want to call it, is defining things more clearly. It's it's actually uh, it's it's separating things. It uh, the Holy Spirit, Christ Himself, the Trinity, is is paving the way, and we're sif- is, is sifting through it, and what we're seeing now. The fact that they have allowed this to happen, uh, they allowed a very liberal priest and a liberal nun, and then they silenced someone like Father Frank Perone from speaking, the priest for life, from speaking or being associated with Trump. Francis and these bishops have just defined more the differences between us and them, between the liberal church and the more orthodox church. We can't use the term traditionalist anymore because traditionalist, he's right. There, there are traditionalists that deny the papacy. They don't believe there's, there's been a pope sitting on, on the chair of Peter. Uh, there's also um, like certain groups that are, you know, they're heretical. They're technically heretical. They're heretical and they're, they're, not, uh, they're not legal. So you can't use the word traditionalist. You need to define what exactly is an Orthodox Catholic. And the, an Orthodox Catholic, we, we will recognize the papacy. We can disagree with the man, but we will never deny him that he is Pope. Francis is legally Pope. And we, we can't do that. But we're going to be, we're growing. He, they're right. Taylor Marshall, Michael Voris are right. We're growing. So... You know that's obvious, and this and this is all because of what's happening. So continuing down the line, all right. So we read the part in here about Soros money to help churches and disrupt Trump. The next one, well, it goes right into what I was just talking about a slight, a slightly silencing pro-life priests, boosting pro-gay clerics. Now on the eve of another pivotal election. Prominent U.S. bishops and their conference, the USCCB, make their sympathies obvious. This month, Father Frank Provone, founder of Priest for Life, was ordered by his bishop to resign as a Trump campaign advisor. A good priest, as a good priest, he obeyed. Perhaps that was too political for the bishops. No, it was just the wrong kind of politics. The Democratic National Convention... Uh, featured a benediction by media figure and LGBT advocate, Father James Martin, SJ, Society of Jesus. No flake from his Jesuit superior or the local bishops over that. When Black Lives Matter and Antifa writers tried to burn a historic Washington, D.C. church, the Catholic Archbishop Wilton Gregory denounced Trump for visiting the church the next day, he slandered as outrageous, opportunistic, political. Trump visit to the John Paul II shrine the day after that. This even though the visit had been planned for months and Gregory had been invited. Why lie about the president to help the Democratic Party? Why ban a priest from publicly supporting Donald Trump, but allow another priest to take much more high profile role? helping the whole Democratic Party, a secret um, concorded with the Democrats, a secret contract. 
I have a theory. This is the, the author, not me. Just as the Vatican under Pope Francis made a deal with an anti-Catholic regime, so the U.S. bishops have made a secret or tacit deal with the pro with the pro-abortion anti-Christian Democrats. The bishops offer the Democrats political cover for most pro-abortion platforms adopted by any political group on earth. No restrictions on abortion, right? Up through birth, our taxpayer money would go to pay for abortions. Biden supports supports forcing the little sisters of the poor to dispense abortion pills or else be forced to close their hospices for the elderly. He would narrow religious liberty for Christians across the board and appoint judges to give that promised teeth. The church will cast a tattered, seamless garment from the 70s over all that. It would complain that his choice for um that his voice for Vice President Kamala Harris started an effort still ongoing to imprison pro-life journalists. Read my interview with David DeLandon, who reports on the early morning SWAT-style raid on his home. I got to look into that one. Harris punishes those pro-lifers who expose her campaign donor. Planned Parenthood as illegally selling human organs, just as those Chinese communists with whom Bishop Sarando hobnobs like to do. Are you seeing a pattern here? Yes, there is a pattern. Okay, a couple of day, uh, days ago on the podcast. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, so, yeah, we, I did something about uh, uh, Kamala Harris and how this reporter who exposed the Planned Parenthood selling baby body parts, which is illegal in the United States, she had him raided and she had him arrested. Arrested because he exposed this. And, um, you know, she's a big, she's a big ally with Planned Parenthood. They're, they're both allies. And, of course, many bishops have remained silent about it. All right? Many, um, not all, but there are some bishops who have spoken up. But, uh, I think Bishop Strickland of Tyler, uh, Tyler, Texas, he spoke up. The problem here is it's the same thing because this is a communist thing. There, you know, I still think abortion has a lot to do with racism, even with contraception. I think it has a lot to do with elitism and racism. But there is a pattern here, and he's right. Let's continue. More immigrants, more taxpayer cash. What do the bishops get in return? If Biden suspends, as promised, all enforcement at our borders, quite quite a bit already, the bishops reap 40% of their annual budget from federal nonprofit contracts, most of them serving immigrants, legal or not. If our nation is flooded with a new wave of illegals after January, that percentage might shoot up higher. What better way to make up the weekly collection lost when bishops sh shuttered our, our churches? I suspect it ran, it uh, it ranks uh, it rankles these these clerics to be reliant at all our at all on voluntary donations from grubby laymen. Anyway, they seem to crave an ar arrangement like the bishops have in Germany. Catholic laymen are taxed by the government in Germany almost 10% of their income, which goes 
to the church um, uh, collection box or you're excommunicated. Remember that? All right, if you decide you don't want your tax money, your money to go from your paycheck to, to your Catholic church, you have to file a report, you have to an application, you have to put that application in, and then you get a, you get a message from your uh, bishop or local parish that you're excommunicated. In other words, you, you, you're you cut off from receiving the sacraments. And that's why many Germans don't want to do that because they don't want to die uh, and they don't want to be denied a Catholic funeral because this is how the bishops do it. And that is illegal. The bishops are not supposed to do it. Money changers, huh? No awkward question about sex abuse. Yeah, huh, that's another one. The Democrats don't have to bring legal legal uh, the law down on them. But there, but there's an even darker side to this. Conservative Catholics like me have been calling for the Trump administration to launch a RICO probe through the Department of Justice and into bishops shuffling sex abuse abuses across state lines for decades. The probe would force the church to cough up files on men like McCarrick. They might Im implicate their allies, such as Archbishop Gregory who, who uh, colluded with McCarrick in 2002 to exempt bis bishops such as McCarrick from penalties for abusing kids or hiding abusers. Huh. Okay, here's a little quote here that's taken out from a paragraph. Kamala Harris ran for uh, San Francisco DA against a fierce prosecutor of priestly sex abuse. Money poured into her campaign from church Church's linked donors. She won and never prosecuted such uh, the case. The files vanished from sight. Oh, so I, I, I agree with him. I believe that's what's happening here. And remember, remember this. Voting for Biden, you're also voting to keep people like McCarrick uh, hidden. If Biden wins... All right, these pedophiles will take over the church. These perverts will take over the church. So you have to remember this. Remember it, folks. Okay, keep this in your mind. Okay, so once more, uh, let me just say this. Please subscribe and share uh, and let your friends know. And if you subscribe and share, you're also letting uh, Anchor and Spotify as well as... Um, uh, the other platforms that you enjoy hearing this podcast. So I really would appreciate it. It would be a great help for all of us, not just for me, but for all of us, because we really need to have more uh, Catholic uh, content like this, podcasts like this. And, uh, you know, it's, it'll be a great help. So let's go back into this. All right. So uh, no awkward questions about sex abuse on this particular paragraph. We just read here about... Um, how the bishops would definitely love the fact that the Democrats would come back in. Uh, they, they of course would, would never preach. They know they don't preach about abortion or contraception from the pulpit. They would never, they will never speak out against gay marriage. Even the fact that so many of them possibly are gay themselves, they will never say a single word about it. And any possibility of future sex abuse, because remember 
they truly don't want things to change. I don't think they want the, the church to go all out gay. They like living their lifestyle this way. Hey, you know, they got the money coming in and, they, you know, they got, you know, they got their own private club. They can, you know, go to their private houses, to the Caribbean and everything else and have a party, you know, you know, why would they want to change it? And because, you know, a couple of years ago, there was a young man who was a Jesuit. And he complained. He thought it was hypocritical, the fact that they're hiding from the world. But why do they want to change it, right? The faithful need the sacraments. We got the sacraments hostage. We, you know, we got the church under our control. Why do we want, why do we want to give up that power, huh? You know, and who cares? You know, the faithful, the faithful have no choice. They got to come and receive the sacrament from our, our, our own, you know, ordained hands, and we can control it. And we have the control of this church. We got rid of that, that annoying uh, Orthodox Catholicism. We got rid of that, that uh, horrible uh, old uh, Thomas Aquinas uh, philosophy and theology. Come on, we're in control here. This is our kingdom, our own kingdom. And we took it from the Son of God. That's how they think. So such a, a Biden-Kamala Harris win hey, it would help to protect them. And, you know, they can, they can put themselves out as a private contractor to the government and keep receiving that federal fund. And they themselves can be at the beck and call of this socialist regime. And, hey, there will be no, no investigation. No one's going to go to jail. No one is going to have his uh, sins exposed, his dirty laundry exposed. The Democrats are in power, the orange man is out the door, and these conservative Catholics, let's go out and get them. Let's go out and get these, these Orthodox uh, Catholics. Let's show them who's boss. That's how they think. Such a probe would strip the bishop's lucrative nonprofit of the rights. That is, if Trump wins, they will lose their rights and they will be investigated. Such a probe would strip the bishop's lucrative nonprofit of the rights to bid for federal contracts. So 40% of their money would go poof overnight. The money that slages around the USCCB helping it lobby for open borders, gun bans, and ever more welfare spending will go somewhere else. Kamala Harris, tough on pro-lifers, Easy on pedophiles, and this is—I believe this to be true. We just uh, read—I just read to you that other little paragraph there about her uh, protecting a pedophile priest in California. Why would the bishops think a Biden-Harris administration would keep them safe from such a probe? Just take a look at Harris's record: a district attorney of the San Francisco California Attorney General, as George Newmeyer reports. Perhaps the deepest and most troubling mystery of Kamala Harris's tenure as a prosecutor centers on the disrupting issue of sexual abuse of children by priests, writes Peter Schweizer a prof, um, in Profiles in Corruption. During her decade and a half tenure as chief prosecutor, Harris would, would fall to prosecute a single case of priest abuse. And her office would strangely hide vital records on abuses that had occurred despite the protests of victim groups. Harris ran against a local DA 
who's been pu- uh, pursuing sex abusers. As Schweizer notes, cash started rolling into her campaign from rich liberal Catholics and law firms that worked with the church. Harris wasn't Catholic, but somehow wealthy donors with church connections started fighting for her to uh, for her to win, according to Newmeyer. Um, after Helen lost to Harris, the fate of the investigation into Catholic priest abuse would dramatically change, and not for the better. According to Schweizer, Harris quickly buried Helen's abuse investigations. Harris, who had been a sexual, sexual crime prosecutor early in her career, moved in the opposite direction of Helen and worked to cover up the records. Couldn't resist that money. Couldn't resist those those donations. So, you know, why should she? Right? I mean, this is this is the kind of thing they're looking for, right? This is the kind of thing they want. She she will do anything she has to do to win. She wants to be on top. She wants to be remembered. She wants to be looked at as smart. She she wants that political position. This is what she wants, and she's gonna and and she got it. She got it from these perverted groups. Let's continue. All right, let's look at this again here. Harris ran against a local DA who had been pursuing sex abusers, at, as Schweizer notes. Cash started rolling into her campaign from rich liberal Catholics and law firms, law firms that support the, the, these, uh, these local parishes, the, the bishops, that worked with the church. Harris wasn't Catholic, but somehow wealthy donors with church connections started fighting for her to win, according to Newmeyer. Newmeyer is a very good reporter, by the way. He's a great Catholic reporter. After Hallinan lost to Harris, the fate of the investigation to Catholic priest abuse would dramatically change, and not for the better. According to Schweizer, Harris quickly buried Hallinan's abuse investigations. Harris, who had been a sexual crimes prosecutor early in her career moved into the opposite direction of Helenin and worked to cover up the records. Do you want this person? This is the person who's Joe Biden's running mate who is not far away. She, the woman is going to become president. Biden will have to step down because his health is not good and she is going to become president. This woman is a Jezebel. I mean, she t- she'll do anything to win. And the hell with, forgive me for saying it, with the abuse, with the victims. The hell with them. I mean, who cares, right? I mean, what's a, what's a few innocent victims? I mean, it's the same thing for Herod, right? Herod the Great. He decided that all the, all the children, all the male children under two years of age would be put to the sword so he can get to the Christ if possible. What's a few blood? What's a few, you know, innocent, uh, innocent souls? You know, what's a few destroyed innocents? If she, you know, and obviously it didn't matter to, to these wealthy Catholics and it didn't matter to the bishops. It didn't matter to the priests. But she got the support and she won and the victims got screwed more than once <clears throat> they got screwed by their church by their bishops and they got screwed by the justice system 
by a Democrat who will do anything to gain power. Do you want this? If you vote for Joe Biden, that's what you're voting for. You will have the destruction of these souls on your conscience. I don't want that. I know it's harsh, but it's true. Because when you vote for someone like this, that's exactly what you're voting for. That's exactly what's happening. And I'm going to tell you right now, every action we take, every little step, every political decision we make, we will be judged. We will be judged. One day at the, at the day of judgment, this is going to come up. This is not going to uh, you know, skip us. This is not going to be set aside. All right. We have to vote correctly. We have to vote true. I remember a scene. Um, it was with that show, The Tudors, where uh, Wolsey, Cardinal Wolsey, a corrupt man who had a secret mistress and secret children, wanted Thomas More to uh, join him in uh, some political decision. And he said to Thomas More, I think it was in France, it's too late, Thomas. You already have your hands uh, dipped in the dye and it's already stained. You, he says, you have no choice but to go along with me. And Thomas More looked a little conf- um, frightened and confused, but then somehow uh, he gained his bearing and he said, you know, he, he said, I, the words that Wolsey said, you have already dyed your hands in the elements. It's stained. And Thomas More said, this is my element. And he, he dipped his hand in a bucket of water and he lifted up. He said, this is my element, the heavenly element. He goes, the divine element. Now tell me, he held his hands wet and clean. Do they look stained to you? So... We have to remember, I mean, don't think this is just earthly politics. Take it seriously. Take your salvation seriously. Take these decisions seriously. Pray about it. All right? I know some people find it very difficult to understand, but we cannot agree with this. We cannot go along with this. Joe Biden is Catholic. Kamala Harris is not Catholic. But Joe Biden is for abortion. Joe Biden married two gay men when he when the you know as vice president for the Obama administration. People take it seriously. You have to take these things seriously. All right. All right. So, um, look, she she after she um, she won. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The church saved millions in court costs. Okay. The accusations of appalling child abuse of boys at at an elite Jesuit prep school over decades have disappeared in 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 a moment. You know, in a moment, it fell right into the rabbit hole. The church saved millions in court costs and likely settlements. The abusers never came to light, and the victims were never acknowledged or compensated. Harris turned her attention to more important causes, like imprisoning pro-life journalists. And that's why I think so many bishops are pulling for her and Biden. They can't afford to let little things like baby parts, embattled nuns, abused kids, or American freedom and public order get in the way of 
meeting payroll. They really don't want the light of day shining on the crimes of their past. That's why, to this day, there had been no public report on how Theodore McCarrick rose to the top of the U.S. church. His appointees and allies still own and operate it today. After this, okay, well, we finished this. John Zamerick is a senior editor at The Stream and author and, or, and co-author of 10 books, including The Politically Incorrect Guide to Immigration and The Politically Incorrect Guide to Catholicism. I might have that on her Kindle. His, co- his co-author with Jason Jones of God, Guns, and Governments. Huh? Interesting title there. All right, well, that's the article there. And so let's um, let's go over it again. Well, this was a great article. I liked it. This guy, John Zamirek, um, there's a lot of facts in this. There's a lot of facts from a Catholic perspective. Uh, I've been doing podcasts now for a little, a little over two years and a half. First, I was with um, the other company, and then I moved over to Anchor. And I've been reading a lot of these articles. One thing that's great, really great about doing this podcast is that you read these articles, you're keeping track of the news. And what's important about it is, it, you know, it really, it's important to be informed, which is why I call it the informed Catholic, because you have to be knowledgeable about these things and you have to, you know, you know go through a meditation asking yourself about right and wrong. And the choices you have to make, you know, that's one of the great things I like. I like about Michael Voris and Taylor Marshall and LifeSite News is that you have to really um, meditate about this, really contemplate, ask yourself, is this right? And okay, there's a sorry about the car horn in the background. But this is important. We have to really consider these things. If, okay, I, I belong to, uh, you know, I have a, on a job, I belong to a union. Unfortunately, my union, unions, all unions have a close relationship with the Democrats. All right, they get their, you know, wage, you know, raise wage, you know, whatever you want to call it, raises. They get also good, um, some healthcare coverages and stuff like that. They get representation. And that's and that's a big problem, and and it angers me because I really do believe that Republicans could do a could do a good job by developing a close relationship with unions, especially when it has a lot to do with bringing jobs back to America. They they're terrible at it for some reason. I don't know why. Um, maybe because a lot of them happen to be corporate men, and they come from companies. And maybe that's why. And so a lot of corporations don't want don't want unions. They want a power to get around um, costs and everything. So that's unfortunate. I think Donald Trump, his attitude, his way of doing things, and his and he he for years. By the way, this is, his whole thing against China was going on for years, for many years back in the eighties um, and nineties. I think he talked about these things, and you know. He's, you know, he, he saw a lot of things that were coming because a lot of our jobs were leaving. Now, this affects us morally and this affects us spiritually. Now, the Vatican has, we have now in the chair of St. Peter, 
he he's very sympathetic to Marxist and uh, socialist Pope Francis, and unfortunately, he's also sympathetic to globalism. He's very sympathetic towards environmentalism, whatever it was that shaped him, that shaped him back in Argentina, uh, that political strife and everything, shaped his views. I either it was out of guilt. Because of what the deals, uh, the, he, the mistakes he made, he he believes he made, and he maybe he believes he cost people's lives, maybe because he believes he disappointed friends, but he he developed a sympathy towards socialists and Marxists, and it changed his world opinion, it changed his worldview about things. But unfortunately, it also I think it might have distanced him from the church, the church's teaching. Um, so, you know, Jesuits, unfortunately, um, they're lone rangers, they're lone rangers. And for some reason, a lot of it has a lot to do with, uh, their spiritual, the way, the way they're structured and they developed and they, and they, I think they elevated the intellect and began to despise piety and despise spirituality. I've heard this over and over again from many, many different, um, uh, talks, and lectures and i've heard this about them and this is true now if like i said if we if you vote for joe biden kamala harris you're voting for kamala harris to become president the man is not well and i don't think the democrats i don't know i don't think the democrats really have a plan to win i think there's a big um, like Tim Poole and Dr. Steve Turley, they all say that there's a big war. There's an internal war. There's a big divide within the Democratic Party. I mean, the other day, AOC goes on. She got she was given 60 seconds. And what did she do? She gives her support to Bernie Sanders, not Joe Biden. And many people online were disappointed. They were, they were terrified. They were thought like, oh, we're going to lose. We're going to lose. Yeah, the ratings are low. Uh, they, it jumped up a little bit because of Barack Obama, President Obama, uh, the, the practically the one who's looked on as Messiah of the um, uh, of the left. They didn't feel he could do any wrong, and that's what happened. So the next thing you know, uh, now we have a, a low ratings, and um, it, and you got AOC who basically threw a a brick into Joe Biden's presidency. She's angry. She wants uh, Bernie Sanders to be the nominee. Uh, and, there's, and there's also other people like her. Um, it's just, it's, it's a mess. But unfortunately, the Democrats have not denounced Antifa. They have not denounced um, the violence the Black Lives Matter movement has caused. It has caused a problem. A lot of private property were destroyed. 30 lives were taken under the Black Lives Matter protests. And Antifa, Antifa just keeps going, going on making violence and destroying people's lives and property. Um, just the other day, a gentleman, a man in uh, Portland, Oregon was attacked and beat up badly. He was saving, uh, he, he thought he was saving this, this woman from being assaulted and robbed. And instead he wound up, uh, beat up pretty badly. And, um, you know, one of was funny. That was a trans woman. He, he, he didn't realize he was coming to the rescue of a trans woman. And, um, 
he, you know, now what's interesting about this is that the argument, the guys who beat him up are wanted. Their faces have been caught. And now Facebook has decided to take down Antifa uh, posts. And the guys are also wanted by the police for the assault of this guy, for what they tried, for nearly killing him. They kicked him in the head. They beat him up pretty badly. The guy is a mess. And um, he thought he was coming to the rescue, and he was coming to the rescue of, of a person. He just didn't know it was a trans woman. Now, what's interesting is that the right and the left, the left actually is, 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 starting, is starting to fracture. They're starting to realize this, and Facebook and everybody else is starting to realize that Antifa is burning its bridges and is taking everything down with it. I mean, that's the whole point. That's the, what these Marxist guys want. But it's, but it's hilarious that this is um, this is actually put Antifa, the spotlight on Antifa. And, well, the guy, I mean, the guy didn't know, but he, but it doesn't matter. He, he thought he was helping somebody. He, you know, that's, that's the main thing. He saw what he thought was someone who needed help, and he, well, he got horribly assaulted, and this is this is what happened here. So it's starting to fracture and fall apart. I don't think, I don't, I don't think they really planned the Joe Biden. I think they're gonna. I think they want to give Trump a run, a, a fight. They want to give him a battle, but they know they're not going to win. The question is, what happens if they don't win on November third? Will there be more violence on the streets? Will there be more destruction of property? Will there be more assaults on people? Will the Democrats continue uh, keeping quiet about all this? This is the question, and they're not answering. And I think they just want to give a a fight. They know they're not going to win, but they want to give Donald Trump a run for his money. Fine, if that's what they want. But... It's going to, you know, unfortunately, it's going to hurt a lot of people. But anyway, uh, let's end it with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. So um, I'll be back again uh, tomorrow night. And Saturday, I'm going to try to do a review of what we talk about what we went through this week. Um, so far, I've managed to post every day of this week. Uh, I thought it was important to do that. Uh, please subscribe, share, and um, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. I want to say um, thank you to Ireland. I noticed Ireland has been coming in second place after the U.S. on uh, the stats. So uh, I really appreciate that. Um, Great Britain and um, Italy and other countries have been coming in. Um, but I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. So um, we'll be back t- together again soon. God bless.